right, all right. I want to welcome everybody joining us for this, the sixth and final weekend of our series entitled Spiritualize. I want to welcome everyone watching online at all of our campuses here at Little Creek. Can we put our hands together for everybody who's joining us this weekend? Come on. Amazing, amazing. Like I said, we are in the sixth and final weekend of this message series. But before we dive in, I do want to take a moment uh, just to celebrate what God did. We did have our high school revolution conference Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. And, uh, and God did some amazing, amazing things. Uh, we had 500 people in the Annex building encountering the presence of God, giving their lives to Jesus, and being filled by the presence of God. Come on. We have some pictures for you to, to take a look at to get a, a snapshot of that. Uh, I will say that Revolution Conference is not officially over. Uh, our high school conference has, been finished, has, has just taken place. We do still have our junior high conference coming up, not tomorrow, but the following Monday. And so July 11th, 12th, and 13th, we will be doing it all again, but this time with our junior high students. So I will say, if you know any junior high student, I don't mind if it's a neighbor, right? Do whatever you can to get them in the building. We've had parents say, well, my, my teenager just doesn't come to church anymore. Let me say this. If you get them in the building, God is going to meet them and God is going to do something in their life. Do we believe that? Come on. So we, uh, we have, we, we've reopened registration for just a few days. And, uh, and please jump onto the website to be able to register them before we close it officially for good. Uh, I wish I could read all of the testimonies. I'm sure that uh, at all the campuses, you guys will be hearing as well over the weeks to come what God did. But I do want to read uh, one testimony in particular. Uh, this testimony itself was personal to me. Uh, I've been praying and believing for this student for about five years now. I know many of you in here today and watching online have been praying for people for a number of years. I'm here today to tell you that if you continue to pray, God will do it. And, uh, and this student in particular, uh, I invited him to conference. Uh, I'd sent him a text a few weeks before conference. And, uh, and I got what the teenagers would say. I got ghosted which means I got ignored, right? So some of you know what that feels like. So as high tech as teenagers are, are, I think sometimes they forget the iPhone tells you when a message is read, right? And, uh, and so I said, okay, if I can't get them to conference, let me try and meet with them at church. Well, that didn't work out either. So the Lord is long suffering. And so I said, I will be too. And so I invited him again just a few days before conference. And he said, okay, all right, I'm gonna go. And uh, he showed up the first day, and I could tell he felt awkward. It was kind of like when you, when you used to be really close to a friend, and you don't see them for a long time, and then you see each other again. That's kind of what it was like, not for me, but really between him and God. And so he felt this awkwardness. But let me tell you this, church. The moment the worship started on Monday evening, the presence of God touched his heart, and he began to weep. And for the next three days, God did a deep, deep work in this student to the point where uh, we had, every night we had testimony time. Come on, we brought it back old school. And uh, so we did open mic, which is dangerous with teenagers. Uh, <laughs> it was like, oh no, here we go. Holy Spirit, have your way. And, uh, and on the last night, he stood up in front of everybody and he closed out the conference. And I want to share a little bit of what he said. This is powerful. Listen to this. He said, I used to have a fire for God. But because of my decisions, I allowed the devil to put it out all those years ago. 
I'm glad to be able to say confidently that that fire has been reignited inside of me. It is a feeling that I don't want to lose. And in order to do that, I have to keep showing up and keep pushing towards God. Don't let the fire burn out. Come on, can we celebrate that today at all campuses? I want to say as well that I just want to encourage you, if your student was a part of Revolution Conference, be patient, okay? They did encounter God, all right? Some of them, it will be like Paul, where it'll be three days and they'll be able to see clearly. Others, it'll take a little time, okay? So I want to encourage you guys as parents and as a church family to continue to treat them and bless them like the new creations that they are. Uh, God has done an amazing work in them and we're standing alongside them. Culture is not easy to be a part of. They're in the thicket of it and uh, we're believing that God will continue to grow them and use them. And so today, that, that story that I shared, I started with it because for me and for this student, that was a story of breakthrough. I wonder if we could say a breakthrough together after three. One, two, three. All right, we can do better than that, right? I am Irish, okay? We're a little too loud, okay? I've learned that Americans are, you know, you guys can get loud. I've seen you at Saints games, but uh, the Irish, we're always loud. We need to tone it down. So let's meet somewhere in the middle today, all right? So after three, can we say breakthrough again? One, two, three. Breakthrough, that's it. That's more like it. What do we do when we've been praying for God to move? We know that He can, but He hasn't yet. What do we do when we feel stuck? What do we do when we feel discouraged? When we've been praying for a particular area of our life, and it looks like that the more we pray, actually the worse things seem to be. Well, I'm here today to talk to you about how to persevere and to believe for breakthrough. That when it doesn't look good, we still have a God who is good and it means that He's not done yet. And so today I want to wrap up this series, Spiritualize, with a message entitled, See the Breakthrough. See the Breakthrough. Anybody excited to hear from the Lord today? Come on. I'm going to preach to myself. I'm going to preach to myself for the next few moments. So if you would, would you open your Bibles with me today to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start at verse 9 and we're going to look today at the prophet, the Old Testament prophet, Elijah. Now for some context, just before uh, this moment, Elijah has had like a mountaintop moment in his life. He has had like a highlight moment. He would have posted this on his Instagram for sure. This was a timeline post, right? He would have put this on there that he was surrounded by false prophets saying that their God, Baal, was the living God. And Elijah calls down fire from heaven and our God, the living God, the real God, sends down fire and proves to all of these false prophets that he is alive. How many people know, though, that when God begins to work in your life, the enemy doesn't like it? And so just as quickly as he enters a mountaintop moment, Elijah has an opportunity to sink down into a valley. The queen, Jezebel, the enemy, hears about what God has done through Elijah. And she says this, she says, before the gods, I will make sure Elijah is killed. Elijah, I'm putting a target on your back. And Elijah said, with that Rev Conference passion, I don't care, Jezebel. No, he didn't. <laughs> the Bible says he picks up his cloak and he starts to run. He is so gripped by fear. He's just watched his God send fire from heaven. 
And one threat from the enemy causes him to run. And some scholars believe he ran farther than a marathon. Many people know you've got to be afraid to run farther than a marathon. Those of you who have are afraid to probably ever run it ever again, right? He was afraid. And he runs and he finds himself in a cave. He runs to a place of isolation. And that is where we are going to pick up the story. And, and, and in following Jesus, this is what I've learned, church. It's this. It's that our breaking point often comes just before God's breakthrough. Our breaking point comes often just before God's breakthrough. This series has been about spiritual eyes, that we are not called to live by sight, but by faith. And there is a war and a battle going on in the spiritual realm because God knows what he wants to do with our life. And there's an enemy who doesn't want us to accomplish what God has called us to. And as God begins to move powerfully in a new way in Elijah's life, so comes the threats and the discouragement. I want to tell you today, if God told you to start your business and things may not look the way you want them to today, that if God started it, he's going to bring things to completion because breakthrough is coming. If you're here today and there's a tension in your marriage, if you feel like you're living different lives, that God brought you together and what he brings together, nobody will separate, no thing and no person. And so if it doesn't look good today, God is still good and it will be good with God's power and his help. Can I get an amen today in church? Come on. If you're believing for that somebody in your life, that lifelong partner, and you're complaining to your friends, oh, I'm getting old, right? It's, it's past it. I'm not going to find them. I'm not going to meet them. Or maybe you're believing for children, and, and, and it's been a long time, and you're believing and you're praying, and it hasn't happened yet. I would say, how about you read about Abram and Sarah who are almost 100 and had a child, right? If God is in it, he can work through it. And, uh, and that's what I'm believing for today. Come on, can we give God some praise today? Let faith arise. Let faith arise. We are called to live with spiritual eyes. Before I get into the scripture, I just felt like reading this. This is Isaiah 51. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save. That is good news. Wherever you find yourself today, you are not out of God's reach, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. God is speaking today if we'll listen. So as we jump into this, this text today in 1 Kings 19, verse 9, let's read together. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. This is Elijah. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said to God, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. I've been giving you my passion, God. I've been, I've been zealous for you. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. God, you don't understand how tough this is. Then God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold... The Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, he knew it was God. For he wrapped his face in his mantle 
and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Then the Lord said to him, go, don't stay in the cave. Don't stay in discouragement. You've been here too long. You have to go because I'm not done with you yet. Things might look like I've stopped moving. You may be afraid for your life. You may be afraid that I'm not going to move, but you must go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. And I love this. Our scripture ends here today. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. Elijah, you might feel alone. You may have found yourself feeling like you're battling alone, but you are not alone. I don't know about you, church, but I'm glad to be in a building today surrounded by family. That despite whatever I came in here with, I have to realize I am not alone. I am a part of a church that God is moving in across multiple campuses. That I have the opportunity to be in a small group. I have the opportunity to pray with somebody after service. I am not doing life alone. God said, you are not alone, Elijah, but not just that you're not alone, your best days are ahead. What do we do when we find ourselves at our breaking point? The longer I follow God, the more I realize that that my view of God will determine my response to my life. How I see God and who I know Him to be will determine how I respond to the circumstances in my life. And as I did some research, I found there are four primary views of God. I wonder which of these views would best represent where you are today. The first is this, that God is absent. Some of you today are skeptical of life, skeptical of God. Maybe you feel like He is distant. Maybe you would tell me, Pastor David, if you only knew what I'm walking through today, if God was real, I wouldn't have this sickness. If God was real, I wouldn't have lost that family member. If God was real, my business wouldn't be struggling as much as it is. Maybe today you feel like God is absent. The second view is this, that God is mad. Maybe you feel like God is an angry God and someone stuck in this group usually views him as harsh or cruel. This can lead to a religious mindset of works that can make us think we have to prove to God that we are worthy, that we have to work to ease his displeasure of us. Or maybe today you feel like God is ready to pick you apart. Maybe you you believe there is a God because how could all this just suddenly appear out of nothing? But the God that you know is ready to be critical and correct you at every chance he gets. This can lead to a performance trap. And we, we come to God with all of our achievements and say, look, God, look, I'm good enough. But I want to remind you today that we were never good enough to save ourselves. That it's only through the blood of Jesus that we are saved. He did it for us. And we can come today. Come on. We don't have to show up and show off. We show up and he shows up and then it gets good. <laughs> or maybe today you're, you're here in this place. And I, I hope that all of us leave today with this view of God. That God loves me. And not a human conditional love, an unconditional love. God loves me and he is alive and working on my behalf. Whether I see it or not, 
Church of the King. God is with me. He loves me. He's for me. And despite what I see with my eyes, I know who he is and he's moving and working in the background and it is going to be good, even if it's not today. Even when things don't look good, God is good. And when things don't look to be working out, God is working for me. Come on. I'll never, uh, come on. I'll never forget when I, when I graduated uh, college, uh, I graduated with a sport and exercise science degree. And so I just started applying to, uh, to, to colleges to work, to high schools, to soccer academies, to organizations. I started applying everywhere. And I'm like, God, your favor's on me. Uh, you're going to, you know, open the door for me. And I did this thing with God where I said, God, I'm going to give you some options. All right. Let me make it easy on you, God. Uh, here are three jobs that I'm going to apply for. Uh, and God, I, I'm going to trust you. You just choose one of them. Just one is good. And days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months. Uh, and I started to get really discouraged. I, I, I'm praying every day. And then I started to get more discouraged when my parents continue to ask me, how's the job search going? Same as yesterday, mom and dad, nothing yet. Why don't you take it up with God, okay? And so, and so I started getting this cave of discouragement. And then one day I'm walking in my city, I'm doing some errands and, and I'm walking past a coffee shop and God says, go in and get lunch. I'm like, this must be the voice of the Lord. And, uh, and I'm like, God, I'm not hungry. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart again, go and get lunch. So I walk into this coffee shop and I'm stood in the line and there's a construction worker in front of me in the line. And he turns around and he looks at me. Come on, the anointing is on construction workers. He looks at me up and down and he looks around and he looks back at me and he says, do you work here? I said, nope. <laughs> he looks over to the manager and he's like, hey, yo, this dude should work here. I said, excuse me? <laughs> He said, he looks like he should work here. You should give him a job here. He takes his Americano and he leaves. So it's just me and the manager just looking at each other. And the manager says, do you want to work here? <laughs> I'm like, inside I'm like, nope. <laughs> do you do sport here? Um, I said, sure. And he said, all right, well, you can come in tomorrow and you can work 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. I'm like, Lord, I'm like, this is exciting, but the evening shift, you know? <laughs> and uh, it, it's funny that uh, around that time, I was talking with a friend. Uh, I met him in our city and I had applied for another job in the city. And this friend of mine was like a class clown. Like he just about made it through high school, right? And we would joke about it all the time. And I remember talking to him and, and he said, how's life going? I said, I'm, I'm okay. I'm looking for a job. He said, I just got a job. I said, tell me about it. He said, uh, I got this job uh, at this place in, in the city, this sports store. And through gritted teeth, I said, congratulations. Because <laughs> it was the job that I applied for that I didn't even really want to apply for. And so I realized God didn't give me the job that I wanted. God didn't even give me the job I didn't want. God just brought me to this job at a coffee shop. But what I didn't realize that this, is that this coffee shop was a hub for teenagers. And for the next year and a half, from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m., I got the opportunity to share the gospel with teenagers who had nowhere to go and no one to talk to. In fact, 
That is where I got my training for youth ministry. <laughs> Seriously. That is where I was able to sit down and talk to students. They weren't coming to hear about God. They were coming with the problems in their life, and I knew a God who was greater. And uh, come on. And so God, even in my discouragement, knew what he was doing. It doesn't end there. A few months later, we came to America, me and my wife, on vacation. And we stepped into the Church of the King building, and there was something about this place. It wasn't just the free donuts. Come on, somebody, on the weekend, that one weekend we came. Bless you, Lord. Uh, but there was something about the presence of God here. And little did we know that a few days later, we would be offered jobs at this amazing church. But listen to this. We went home. We prayed, and in Ireland, we responded and said, we're going to do it. God says we're called the Church of the King. The next morning, I look in my inbox with my emails, and I have three new emails. And it was the three jobs that I told God, you can give me any one of them. And every one of those jobs was saying, we would love you to come for an interview. The morning after God gave me what he had wanted to give me all along, the other stuff finally came through. <laughs> because God didn't want me working somewhere in London coaching soccer. He wanted me to be a part of this incredible church. Come on. How many people know God knows what he's doing? And I'm here to tell you today that if it's not good, God's not done. But God is calling us and challenging us to trust him. We live by faith, not by sight. He is the God of breakthrough if we'll believe it. We cannot be a people who live by what we see because we're called. What did Jesus say? Lord, let your kingdom come to earth. When we look at the earth, it doesn't look like heaven, but we have to be the people who say, Jesus, I know who you are. Would you bring heaven to earth and would you use me to do it? Come on, we need faith. Elijah's at his breaking point, but God brings breakthrough. So how do we position ourselves for breakthrough? Number one, we beware, beware of the distractions. If you are battling today, it may just be that God has a breakthrough to come. Because before breakthrough, there is always a battle between distraction from the enemy and direction from God. The enemy cannot steal your destiny, but he can distract you from it. Look at Samson, the strongest man who ever lived distracted by a woman, and he steps off course. The enemy cannot steal what God has called you to do, but he can try to distract you from it. And in order to see the breakthrough, we have to be, be aware. Beware the distractions in our life. I rem, I'm reminded of when Jesus spoke about the seed, the parable of the seed. And he said, the seed that lands in good soil will bring multiplication. But what did he say? He said that that the enemy, that the cares of the world would come to try and cover over what God was growing. The enemy cannot steal the seed out of the ground, but what he does instead, he tries to plant things and make them grow and distract us to cover over what God is really doing. For us to look at our marriage and say, there's no way for this to, to be good. For us to look at our job and say, God, there's no way for you to move in this. There are too many things going on. The Bible says it's the little foxes that destroy the harvest. It's the little, sometimes it's the little things. God, it can't be because of this and this and this and this. And today God is saying, just beware the distractions because I'm speaking in the midst of it. Let's look at what, what comes here to distract Elijah from our scripture. God said, go out. And then there's a strong wind, but the Lord is not in it. 
And then there's an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then comes the still, small voice. Elijah is looking for the Lord, and he was not in all the big visuals. Why? Because even when I can't see him, I can still hear him. I'm going to say that again. Even when I can't see God moving or working in my situation today at Church of the King, when I'm looking back over the last few days or weeks or months, God, I can't see you. I want to encourage you today, church, you can still hear him. Because he does, just because you don't see him doesn't mean he's not working. He's the same God. And outside of the distractions, the whisper, God's whisper comes. The enemy will come to try and stop you from hearing your father. It's why he said to Adam and Eve, did God really say that? The first conversation, because he can't say God didn't say that, because God always has the final word. What he'll say instead is, did he really say that? Did God really call you to that? Did God really tell you to marry them? Did God really say he has somebody for you? Did God really call you into that job? Would it look like this if he did? He tries to get us to doubt because God knows, or the enemy knows how powerful our faith is when we walk by faith and not by sight. And so how do we know what is a distraction in this season? I would say this, looking at our scripture, if the Lord isn't in it, it can become a distraction. He wasn't in the wind. It looked good, but he wasn't in it. Not everything that looks good is God. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in all of these things crying out for Elijah's attention. He was in the whisper. And I'm not going to be over spiritual today and say, you have to lock yourself in a closet and just make sure your face is in your Bible at all times. But we have to beware of the distractions. If Jesus is not in it, it can become a distraction. I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus said, David, you, uh, you scrolled more than you prayed. I don't want him to say, you listen to YouTube more than you listen to my voice. I don't want him to say, David, that you were on Facebook more than you sought after my face. I tell teenagers this all the time. They tell me, you know, I don't like reading. I don't want to read my Bible. Parents, you can use this. I tell them all the time. Will you read Instagram captions and text messages all day? Come on, how desperate are you to see God move in your life? We have to eliminate distraction. If we are desperate for God's direction, we must be desperate to eliminate distraction. Come on, church. How much do you want to see God touch your life? How much do you want to see Him move? How much do you want Him to reignite that fire in your soul that you once had? How much do you want Him to to touch your business and and lift it from, from the ashes? I tell business people all the time, you have the greatest consultant in the world. His name is the Holy Spirit. He knows all things. The Bible says he'll lead you into all truth. If you want to know what to do with your business, just start listening to the Holy Spirit. He leads you into truth. Jeremiah 33, 3 says that he will reveal things that you don't know to you. Come on, he is the God of breakthrough. We got to get rid of the distractions. What are the distractions that try to keep us discouraged? It can be the wind, a lack of control. Maybe you've moved house recently. Maybe you've moved job recently. Maybe you would say, you know, today my life has never been more chaotic. I'm not saying it's not really happening. What I'm saying is don't let it distract you from the whisper that God is speaking in your life. Maybe today it's the earthquake, a breakup or a breakdown. 
Maybe you felt relational tension in your marriage or friendships like never before. Maybe you've been feeling a weariness in your mental health or a breaking down in your energy and your emotions like never before. I'm coming today to tell you that those things don't mean God has left you. He's in the midst of it and ready to do something. Because when we are weak, He is strong. Amen? Come on, church. It is not a platform for a letdown. It's a platform. It's a set up for God to do something special. Or maybe today you feel burnt out. That fire, the distraction of fire. You're burnt out by just battle after battle. God, you do one thing and you fix this and then there's another thing and then this breaks or this happens and then there's another and you're tired. I'm not saying that it's not real. What I'm saying is there is a God who is alive and real and ready to move. Or maybe today success is for you the thing that's burning you out. It is hard to jump off the wave when things are going good. God, if I jump off this wave, I don't know if I'm ever going to be here again in my business. It's never been so good. And it can all become distraction. We must trust God and see distractions as indicators of breakthrough and not dictators of breakthrough. When things get tough, it is the perfect time for God to move. When things look like there's no other way, there's no way, God, you could do something. It is the perfect time for the God of the universe to break through because that is who he is. He is the God of breakthrough. We must beware of the distractions. The second thing we must do is we must look and listen for God. Elijah says to God, he has this little pity party. He says, God, I'm all alone and they're trying to take my life. And this is what I've learned. That worldly eyes make me and my problems the focus. Whereas spiritual eyes make him and his faithfulness the focus. Come on, I want to live with spiritual eyes. This is what I love about worship. That when I get into worship and Nate and Ashley are leading the team, when I get in here, I'm, to be honest, I get in here sometimes and my problems look so big. <laughs> I'm like, God, like, what is this? But what worship does, it, it flips the script to where I still see my problems, but I realize there's a God who's bigger. And that is who I worship. And that is why I sing about him and not about me. I want to sing, you are holy. Worthy you were. Worthy you are. Worthy you will be, God. Right? You know, weak I am. Weak I've always been. Weak I'm going to be, right? But you are worthy. And because you are worthy, I don't have to be afraid. I'm not alone and my best days are ahead. But we must look and listen. So how do we do that? First of all, we must look back. Do you realize if Elijah had have just looked back days before and realized, why am I here? That's why God said that. What are you doing here, Elijah? God didn't forget where Elijah was. He wanted Elijah to realize where he was. You're in a cave. You just called down fire. My presence hit the earth. And, and now you're, you're in a cave. We must look back. And see the breakthroughs that have already happened. If you are here today, there's a reason you're here. It's because God has been faithful. And you may be walking through something where you need a breakthrough today. But let me tell you, there have been many breakthroughs before. We must look back. We must also listen for his voice, the whisper. 
Whenever I'm at home and I'm trying to get my daughter's attention, I was taught this in college when I, when I was taught how to, to teach people. Uh, when I'm at home and the TV is on, and the, and the vent fan is on, and Alexa's playing music I didn't ask her to play, and my wife is telling me about her day, and my daughter is doing something, I'm trying to get her attention. I don't shout louder, I just speak softer. Because when I whisper, it causes my daughter to lean in right? And so God doesn't shout louder amongst the, the noise of the earth and our culture. He's not screaming. He doesn't have to try win our attention. He is speaking if we'll tune out the other noise and listen to Him. We have to listen to His voice. We have to stay focused on His voice. And finally, what we need to do is we need to look beyond. We're looking and listening for God. We need to look beyond what we see with our eyes. When Jesus came to His hometown, He shows up and He begins to to do miracles, and then I just see them start to have conversations. Isn't this the guy that forgot to cut your lawn properly, <laughs> the little boy? Isn't this the dude who used to come by all the time and eat your food at your home? And, and what they do is they start to see Jesus with their worldly eyes, and Jesus says this. He says, I can't do any more miracles here. They're, they're faith. There's no faith. And they use this word thomazo, which is Greek for marvel. The Bible uses this word. And it said, Jesus marveled at their lack of faith. He was astonished. And then there's another story where they use this word marveled, but it's not at a lack of faith. The Bible uses it in an abundance of faith, that Jesus marveled at the faith of the centurion soldier who said, my servant is a long way off, but is needing healing. Jesus, I know who you are. And if you just speak the word, I don't need to see you do it with my worldly eyes. I have spiritual eyes. And if I hear you say the words, Jesus, you are going to heal them and there's going to be a miracle. I don't need to see it with my eyes. Come on, church. I don't need to see it. And the Bible says this, that he marveled, Thomaso, he marveled at his faith, the abundance of faith. I want to be a Christian who makes Jesus marvel at the abundance of my faith, not the lack of it. Anybody with me today? The abundance of my faith for breakthrough. And as we come to an end today, we have to beware the distractions. God is bringing breakthrough. He wants to move. He is the God who does the impossible. But we must look and listen for him. Look back at the things he's already done. Listen for his voice amongst the noise of culture. And look beyond what we see in order to finally see your breakthrough. You have to see your breakthrough. Some of you need to write it on post-it notes and stick it on your mirror. So when you're brushing your teeth, you just start praying it and you start believing it. Some of you need to screenshot it on your notes and put it as your wallpaper in your phone. And every morning when you wake up, begin to pray, God, I'm believing for that prodigal son to come home. I'm believing for that daughter to come home. I tell our students all the time, the further they stray, the more you pray because God can do it. We have to be desperate for God to move and we're not twisting his arm. I just believe there's something that happens when we get hungry, it shifts things in the spiritual and faith begins to move. You got to see your breakthrough. Look at what God said. He said, Elijah, you're in a cave right now, but you got to go. You're not done yet. You have to go and anoint the king of Syria. You have to go anoint the king of Israel. And then you have to go and you have to anoint Elisha, the new prophet who actually is going to walk in a double anointing of what you carry. He said, Elijah, your best days are ahead. You're about to pass on who you are and how much you know me and the, and the testimonies I've given you. 
Church, I wonder if the greatest battles come because the enemy knows the power of what you'll pass on to those after you. What if your kids can see the testimony in your life, the breakthrough in your life? What if your co-workers could see, how did that happen? They've treated you like this for years and you're still here. Well, God did, a, did something amazing. Let me tell you about it. I want to leave you this thought today. God is not just the God who brings a breakthrough. It's his name. The name given to God, one of the names, Jehovah Belperazim, means the Lord who bursts through. When David defeated the Philistines against all odds, he says that, he says, I'm going to call this place Jehovah Perizim because it means the Lord has broken through or burst through like a dam full of water that the water is bursting through. That is my God. Against all odds, he did it and he gets the glory. Come on, he gets the glory. We get to be part of the story. It's not about me. <laughs> it's all for his name. And I preached this message when Pastor Steve gave me the opportunity to speak this morning. I prayed and immediately the Lord dropped this message into my heart. And I got excited, not because I just think it's a good message and I like the story of Elijah, but because I've walked it. I remember going to my very own Rev conference when I was 15 years old. I had no idea who God was. I had no idea what He wanted to do in my life. I was pretty locked up in my heart and I thought that I had my own plan for my life. I almost got kicked out of the conference the night before for, for fighting with somebody because they stole my sleeping bag. And you don't steal a sleeping bag from an Irish man, okay? <laughs> and that was my breaking point before breakthrough. And, and Jesus met me and the first thought I had when I was sitting there weeping in the presence of God and my friends thought I was losing my mind. The first thing I thought was my dad, my mom and my sister need to meet this Jesus. If they could meet him, everything would change. And so I go home and I tell my mom, hey mom, I give my life to Jesus. I experienced his presence. She says, that's cute. I'm like, that was not the radical transformation that I was waiting for, right? I tell my dad, my dad's confused, kind of laughs at me. My dad was a martial artist and he's like, what are you gonna do, bless people when you get on the mat to fight them? Is that what you do now? My sister was confused. She's like, this is weird. You've been my, my big brother, but now you're, following God and saying your life's in his hands. What does that mean? How do I follow that? And for the next year and a half, we went through probably the toughest year and a half we ever went through as a family. And I remembered mornings and evenings where I would get down on my knees in my bedroom and hold my Bible. And I didn't really know much, but I was saying, God, whenever you called me to this and you said that you would do something in my family's life, this is not what I thought it would look like. It feels like they're further from you than they've ever been. But I'm going to trust you. One morning, my mom comes downstairs and she's a little more joyful than I'd seen her in a long time. And I said, what's up with you? She said, let me tell you. She said, last night when your dad and I were fighting, I said, I know, I heard it. I'm not deaf, I heard it. I was holding my Bible in my room. <laughs> she said, uh, afterwards, I was alone in the bedroom. I said, God... If you are real, like David says you are, would you show up and show yourself to me? The next morning she woke up, she turned on her radio and she listened to the same station every single day. But this day it had been retuned to Joyce Meyer and she was preaching the gospel. I believe the Holy Spirit retuned that radio. <laughs> and my mom gave her life to Jesus in that moment, listening to Joyce Meyer. 
She said, David, I was filled with peace that I can't make sense of. I'm like, mom, you're already preaching scripture. Come on, peace beyond understanding. My dad gets home, he looks at my mom, he says, what have you done? It wasn't normal for her to be so joyful. My dad says, you became a Christian. I can feel it. I'm like, yes, you did. (laughs) You're next. And let me tell you, church, my dad ran from God further than I've ever seen him run before. We used to spend our Saturday nights picking him up from the bar. Me and my mom would be in the car with my little sister, praying, believing. God, he's not too far away. God, you can reach him. God, I know you're doing something. It doesn't look good. And some nights it was my mom praying and I was crying. Some nights she was crying and I was praying. But we stuck together and we said, God, you're going to do a work in my dad's life. And we came to America to visit. And uh, my dad gets in our rental vehicle and there's a Christian CD in the car and he goes, ooh, I bet that's God, is it? You know. <laughs> but by the end of our vacation, my dad was weeping listening to the worship music. Weeping listening to the worship music. In fact, before we left, our swimming pool cleaner at the place where we were staying gave my dad a word from God. He just stopped one day and said, hey, you. My dad said, what? He said, God's been searching after you for a long time. You are running. He's touched the lives of your family and you just, you don't know what to do. Do you know when you're going, when you die? My dad turned white and ran inside. And when we got home from that vacation, my dad ran to the front of our church, fell face down and gave his life to Jesus and has never looked back. Come on. He is the God of breakthrough. If it looks like you're breaking, if it looks like things are broken, if you are at your breaking point, it doesn't mean he can't break through. In fact, it means he's probably about to. So I want to pray for some of you today. Come on, can we bow our heads? God, I thank you. Lord, I feel your presence. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your strength. I thank you even right now, you're attending to some people's hearts who are weary. Lord, I thank you that you will complete the work that you've started. Lord, I pray right now for all of those who are lifting up prodigal sons, prodigal daughters, lifting up friends and family who are distant from you. We believe, God, that you will bring breakthrough. God, we pray for marriages right now that seem to be on thin ice. God, I thank you that there's no thin ice with you. There's only covenant. God, I thank you that you're going to bring healing. And I pray as each person in that marriage, both people work on themselves and listen to you. You are going to bring restoration in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for businesses today that look to be going under. There's no going under with Jesus. There's being lifted to resurrected life. We pray that dreams would be resurrected today, God. And Lord, I pray we would leave this place believing in faith with spiritual eyes seeing what you want to do. God, I pray that every single testimony would point to the goodness of who you are. We love you, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Hey, for those of you that are making that decision right now to give your life to Jesus, we just want to celebrate with you as your church family. We know that this is the best 
decision you could ever make. So what I want you to do right now is pull out your phone or a calendar and mark down this date. It's a day you're not gonna wanna forget because this is the day your brand new life with Jesus begins. Yes, and the great news is you don't have to do this alone. We as your church family would love to come alongside you as you begin this new journey of following Jesus. And an easy way to let us know that you've made that decision is either click the link in the chat room and fill out a short form, or you could text the word decision to the number 822-822 and one of our pastors would love to reach out to you. And hey, make sure you come back and join us next week because we are starting a brand new series called Why God? Maybe you found yourself asking that very same question. Maybe you found yourself asking, why God? Why do you allow evil and injustice in the world? God, do you see our pain? Do you see our struggles? God, why does it feel like you're silent? Well, the good news is that these aren't new questions. In fact, in the Old Testament, the prophet Habakkuk asked these very same questions. So join us next week as we dive in to this study in the book of Habakkuk, and we learn how the answers he received from God can help us navigate and face the evils in our generation. Wow, that is gonna be an incredible series and you're not gonna wanna miss out. Maybe you're thinking of people right now who could really benefit from hearing this message and being a part of this series. We know that, hey, I've got family members that I'm already inviting to this. So go ahead, make the ask, invite them to join you during this. And we can't wait to see what God does during this series. With that being said, we are wrapping up service. We can't wait to see you next weekend. Have a great week.